Well, hello to anyone who may be listening in to our Eden Chapel daily devotional. I'm Sam Mitchell, and what a blessing it has been going through God's Word together. We have are not really started. We are in the book of Deuteronomy now, and today we're going to be in chapters 14 through 16. And man, I just want to remind us of just what powerful words we read yesterday in Deuteronomy 11, verse 1. You shall therefore love the Lord your God and keep his charges, statute his rules, and his commandments always. And man, what what just powerful words there that our command, love God to keep his commands. And like we've talked often lately, just going through Genesis on Wednesday nights and going through Mark on Sunday mornings, how what an amazing thing it is that we have been given the faith to love God, but also that because we have been given faith to trust in him, that we can simply walk in obedience to his commands. And so, man, what an amazing thing. So like I said, today we are in Deuteronomy chapters 14 through 16, and we get into chapter 14, and we started off by this reminder uh, in verse 1 to not be like other pagan cultures. Uh, you are the sons of the Lord your God. You shall not cut yourselves or make any baldness on your foreheads for the dead. So like would have been uh, happening often among pagan cultures around them, surrounding Israel, uh, what would have been common here was to cut themselves or make baldness on their foreheads. But verse 2 gets us to why they should not do this. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God, and the Lord has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession out of all the people who are on the face of the earth. And so we we get this reminder of what we've read plenty of times and as we've been reading and you know all the ceremonial things that Israel does, but that they are a holy people to God and what I'm like God has set them apart, that they are to be different from other pagan cultures surrounding them, that there should be a difference between the way Israel buries their people and the way that pagan cultures bury their people. And so we we see this reminder that yes, you are set apart. Yes, you are holy. You are a people for God's treasure, possession of all the peoples on the face of the earth. And much like we see in First Peter now that we are a royal priesthood, we are a holy people, we are set apart for God's good work in Christ Jesus. And so what an amazing thing that is that we can look to this and see God's goodness to us that yes, there are different commands and there are different rules and there are different things to follow. But like we talked about in Deuteronomy 11, it is a pleasure to serve the Lord, to walk faithfully in obedience to his commands and to love the Lord our God. So what an amazing thing that is. And that's what we see in these next upcoming verses where they're commanded what they should not eat and what they may eat. And much to the reason for this is for this being set apart, for this difference between themselves and between all the people around them. They they had separate things that they were not allowed to eat, only certain animals that they could eat and certain birds and certain things that they were allowed to do. And we ultimately see this was for them to have a distinction from from the people around them. And we thank God if you're like me and you're a rather large man that Peter had a vision one day and yes, we're allowed to eat pork. And so we praise God much to the delight of that. 
I hope you all recognize the joke in there. Uh, anyway, sorry, awkward. And so then we get into this later part of Deuteronomy 14, and we get to this mention of tithing. And, you know, uh, if you can think back to uh, Leviticus, we talked often about this. I believe it was even one of my devotions that we talked about this idea of tithing, this idea of trusting in God, and uh, this idea of giving to God first. And uh, we we talked through uh, the the importance of this and why we ought to tithe, why we ought to trust God. And we, we see it here. It says, You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year, and before the Lord your God in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there. You shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and the flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And so we, we see here that as they would come and give to God what he rightfully deserves uh, in this tithe, that also they were to uh, take a portion of it and to eat with him. It was to be delivered to the tabernacle, tabernacle and a portion of the tithe was enjoyed in a ceremonial meal with the Lord. And uh, so we, we see the reason for this is that they may learn to fear the Lord your God always. This was the purpose in tithing, to build an honor and to build a praise and build a reverence for God. And we, we see here the purpose of tithing is to teach us always to put God first, to live with an idea of giving to God first and trusting him for every good blessing and everything that he may give to us. I mean, that's what that's what we see here in the latter verses um, in verse 29, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the works of your hands that you do. And so, yes, we, we also give to God, not in a selfish way. You know, we're not saying, well, I'm just going to give God 10% so that he will bless me. That's that's not the heart that comes into tithing, but it's an attitude, it's a reverence, and it's an all of God giving to him what is rightfully put on our heart to tithe and to give uh, so that in turn God would bless his people as he is faithful and promises to do. And so we, we trust in his goodness to do that for his people, but we also give out of a reverence and all for him. So then we get to uh, Deuteronomy 15, which is a reminder of this uh, sabbatical year. If you can think back to Leviticus uh, 25, which we I actually did that very same uh, devotional. I, I can't remember exactly what day it would have been, but it wouldn't have been too long ago if you want to go back and listen. But we were reminded of this Sabbath year and the year of Jubilee and uh, this idea of the redemption of property and the redemption of poor brothers and all that going into it. And so we, we see here in Deuteronomy, all those things kind of repeated and once again laid out by Moses. And specifically here, he speaks once again to the redemption of poor people. And if you, if you can remember, uh, basically each year in the seventh year, uh, there would be a release of debts and Israel money was always loaned with the understanding that every seventh year debts, not debts, debts would be canceled. So there were no long-term debt in this sense. Money could never be borrowed or owed for more than six years. And so 
we, we see the reason for this is that it is the Lord's release. This was an important matter to God. The release was said to be his. As Israel obeyed this command, there would never be a per- permanent underclass uh, in Israel. Uh, some might go through a bad period, but would have this opportunity to rebuild their lives financially on a regular basis. But it's also pointing to here in the church, we're supposed to come alongside one another and help one another and be there for one another. And yes, financially to help, but also in strengthening and encouraging one another. God established this economic system wherein no one had to just be chronically completely poor. If people would obey the Lord, he would bless uh, them and they would not be poor. And so now I'm, I'm not saying that we just as the church should inherit all the debt of the world and just take that on. No, hear, hear me. That's not the point of what we're getting at, nor what God's word is getting at, but that, you know, we should as believers, you know, who have been changed by the grace of God, we should be generous to those who, who, who are poor, who will be poor, especially those who are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we should seek and find ways to help get them back up on their feet, to help get them to a point that they can strive to continue to serve God faithfully. Uh, and so, and that, that's the command that we're getting here. And so we see this reminder in this point back to Leviticus 24 and 25, that we should be uh, those who have been changed by grace and those who uh, would be generous to those who are less fortunate. Then we also see here in the later verses of chapter 15, uh, the, the principle of what to do with the firstborn, specifically males that are born of the herd and the flock, that you shall dedicate them to the Lord your God. You shall do no work with the firstborn of your herd, nor shear the firstborn of your flock. You shall eat it, you and your household, before the Lord your God, year by year at the place that the Lord will choose. But if it has any blemish, or if it is lame or blind, or has any serious blemish, whatever, you shall not sacrifice it to the Lord your God. You shall eat it within your towns. The unclean and the clean alike may eat it as though it were a gazelle or a deer. Only you shall not eat its blood. You shall pour it over the grounds like water. And so this idea of sanctifying it to the Lord, this means to set it apart to the Lord. The firstborn was to be set apart. Uh, The firstborn animal was not used as a domesticated animal. It wasn't used as normal. You shall do no work with it. Uh, You shall not shear the firstborn of the flock. But also this idea of the firstborn males, this is for three reasons. I love what David Guzik says here, because Israel was God's firstborn. And this honored that fact. Second, because the firstborn was thought to be the best, and the best was always given to God. And finally, it was a reminder to all generations of when God redeemed Israel as firstborn. This idea of the Passover and and the sabbatical year and everything that we're looking to. And so that's what we get reminded here. And ultimately, we, we see God's command that you know, you and your household shall eat it before the Lord your God. When the firstborn animal was brought to the tabernacle and given to the priest for sacrifices to the Lord, a portion of the sacrifice went to the family and that brought the animal and it was given so they could eat a joyful ceremonial meal before the Lord. And then we're reminded this fact of if it did have a defect, if that was the case, the animal was given to the priest, but not sacrificed to the Lord or it was redeemed, uh, for money and the money was to be given to the Lord or it was eaten by the other people. And so we, we get these beautiful pictures of 
this idea of bringing what is best to God and bringing what is right, what has been laid out in his word and by his commands. And so then we get to chapter 16, uh, the, the reminder of the Passover and the sacrifice of the Passover. And, you know, we, we see at, back in Exodus that the first Passover, each family in Israel sacrificed the Passover lamb at their home. But when Israel came into the promised land, the sacrifice was to be made at the tabernacle. And so that's what we see here. You know, Exodus 12 described describes the first Passover when Israel was delivered from Egypt and God sent his judgment upon the firstborn of Egypt. God, you know, if we can remember, Passover, the homes which obediently sacrificed the Passover lamb and applied its door to the um, applied its blood to the doorposts of the home, and you know, and, they, and their firstborn was not taken from them. And so, we we see here this command: keep the Passover to the Lord, and that the feast of the Passover clearly presents Jesus as our Passover. Eventually, you know, First Corinthians five seven. And so, you know, it's that point to this: the Lamb of God who was sacrificed and whose blood uh, was received and applied for us, so that the wrath of God would in turn pass over us and so this reminder to keep that passover and then we're reminded of the feast of weeks and the feast of booths and all that within that you know these commands of what to do and how to come to god and how to worship him and this reminder to every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the lord your god that he has given you and so just once again these reminders and promises of god being faithful to us and how we ought to come to worship him and so then we get into these last couple verses in chapter 8 chapter 16 but right here in verse 18 you shall appoint judges and officers in all your towns that the lord your god has given you according to your tribes and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment you shall not pervert justice you shall not show partiality and you shall not accept a bribe for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and subverts the cause of righteous justice and only justice you shall follow that you may live and inherit the land that the Lord your God has given to you. And so, you know, God laying out what righteous justice looks like that you shall have a judge over you that the Lord your God is giving to you and according to your tribes and they will do it in righteous judgment. They won't accept bribes. They won't show partiality. It'll be what you know, God has clearly laid out for them. And ultimately this, that you may live and inherit the land the Lord your God has given you. And so what a beautiful thing that the righteous judgment will come through the judges that the Lord has given to them so that you may live in the land that the Lord has given to you. And what a beautiful thing that is. And it ends our time today in chapter 16, that you shall not plant any tree as the Asherah beside the altar of the Lord your God that you shall make, and you shall not set up a pillar which the Lord your God hates. And so this is a reminder, you know, don't make other things uh, such as, you know, plants or pillars or poles that were common among pagan cultures that Israel might be tempted to, as they had done in past, make other idols or things uh, in place of God or add things to the worship of God. And this is him, God saying, no, we don't have any of that. He even, we won't have any of that. He even says, I, the Lord, your God hates this. And what, what a strong word when we know God hates something though, what a warning to probably run from that. Not probably you should run from that. And so just a reminder of do not add 
anything to the worship of God. What he has clearly laid out for you on how to worship him is how we should come to worship him. We don't need to add or take away from it. We come as God calls us to come. And luckily, as what we're living in today, we come only by the blood of Jesus and we trust in that completely and fully. And that's how we come to worship God. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope it is a blessing to you all.